Hello, listeners, and welcome to Gotta Jabril, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things fish and beer. Fish and beer. I am the Lizza. And I am the kid. And typically, we have to like make up a lot of things fish wise, but obviously, we're in the like pretty much middle slash tail end of summer tour. So there's a lot to be talking about these days right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. First of all, let's just say it out loud. Uh, the only uh, shows that we've been to uh, so far, the BB&T Pavilion, Camden, New Jersey. Correct. We just got back from Philly where we saw both Camden shows. Yeah, and originally um, originally we weren't going to uh, do an episode, but uh, there's been so much talk and like craziness going on that I was just like, we, we like have to have to do an episode. <laughs> I don't know. There's just yeah. so much to talk about. So uh, let's go from like, let's funnel this. Let's go from like biggest kind of trends to like, you know, more specific. Large it, to small? Yeah, it, it, in my head. So basically kind of, I think we've only been to two shows. We've been physically been to two shows, but we've been couch surfing a lot. So we've yeah. seen a lot of the shows that they've been simulcasting. And uh, um, this is the first uh, tour run that I've ever been uh, privy to uh, getting like soundboards and stuff that I don't go to. So this is also the first tour ever where I've actually been actively listening to all the shows, even though I haven't been going to them. So sure, sure. So you've been listening to them as well. Well, cool. yeah, and 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 the ability to get it has been incredibly easy. Like, there's a couple different ways. Like, mm. there's Facebook groups and stuff. But um, a good, great call out for those fish fans out there. Uh, if you go to Coventry Music, you can just Google it. It's the first thing that comes up. It's CoventryMusic.com. Um, they post the set list for each night, but immediately someone puts a comment in there, and the comment is really small. It's a tiny little blue hyperlink. If you click on that, you can get a WeTransfer download of the SBDs pretty much the day after they happen. Cool. So um, it obviously sparked off after Fish did the live streaming app. Um, you know, people are kind of torn about that. You know, it's good for them to support the people that they pay to do all the work that they do to make Fish happen. Um, at the same time, there's the other part of the community that's just like, this shit used to be free. It should still be free. So we're going to, you know, do everything we can to share this information so that people have access to it. So Yeah, that's cool. You can also do old school like I do wait for it to get on Fish OD. I mean, yeah, this is essentially the same thing. It's like, do you want to physically have it on your phone yeah, or do yeah. you want to stream it to your phone? But yeah, yeah, same thing. Whatevs. Um, uh, so anyway, big trends that we've been noticing, and I mean, I, I don't think this is disputable, is that fish is definitely better on the East Coast versus the West Coast. Uh, yeah, so that's definitely one of the things that people have started talking about. Um, I think it's a hard debate to have. Um, there's two sides to every coin, obviously, in every argument. And I think where the West Coasters get a little ground in this argument is that they started on the West Coast and then came to the East Coast. Um, I think there is a good argument there that they're rusty in general. And the first couple shows of any tour are just a little more rusty than normal. Um, but then the the call outs that come out of comparing the West Coast and the East Coast are the Gorge shows mm -hmm. and how great they were. Um, they weren't that great. I, I agree. Um, I think we're a little biased because we weren't there. Apparently, there's this aura and this energy to the gorge. And, you know, it's one of those things where people are like, you have to be there to experience it. And we who most often, you know, criticize fish for uh, being a live experience, I can understand where they're coming from in that. But on paper, I don't I agree think with I you. criticize fish for being a live experience. 
I think no, that's but a it's misspeak. Like, misspoke. Well, I don't want to say, you know, you're, you're very much about the live experience. You're like, yeah, you know, I don't criticize that. I praise them for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I, I petition for that. I, I, I fight for that. I tell people that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anywho, I mean, like, whatever. It's clear to see. You just basically proved my point from the one of the, you know, a couple episodes we had me saying that I think their early summer tour sucks because they need time to, like, get comfortable playing with each other, playing the songs they need to play. I think, like, with everything, that is true, especially now more than ever because they all have all their individual side projects and are not constantly touring like they were in 1.0 and, like, the, especially in, the like, the mid to late 90s when they're just going on these massive, huge tours and are basically on the road all the time. But, you know, now that they're getting older and they also have side projects, it makes sense that they, you know, need to gel or whatever. Um, what I would like to call out from this tour that I thought was really interesting that you actually got me to listen to, Liza um were the tray talks that you sent me um it was him on what is it satellite like serious serious xm yeah has a fish channel specifically yeah, for what was that uh entire time okay um yeah serious xm i don't know if they like partnered up with fish or like they just decided to do it as something to do there they interviewed uh trey there was an ashtray section and there yeah. was like basically a long interview and then Sirius XM now has a channel. It's that. It's, I just heard it again. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. It's on its own track. Yeah. Uh, Sirius XM now has just like a fish channel and they keep fish playing 24 hours a day and like in between a start and a stop of a song. Um, they'll do, you know, Trey being interviewed or Mike being interviewed and them asking him a bunch of questions, which is cool. So it's cool. It's yeah. To listen to you. Um, what I really liked about that and the first thing that I want to kind of call out as we're talking about this debate of, um, East coast, uh, West coast, um, is that he goes into one of the questions deciding on how they pull together a set list. Yeah. And, um, he was talking about how like they actually do go into like a weekend or the next set of, of shows and he's got like 60 songs picked out. And uh, all the band members get to see the list and they kind of uh, start, you know, pulling it down from there. And um, I think one of the things that I was arguing in one of the previous episodes is that, like, you kind of can see fish on rotation. So depending on when you see them in a tour, like they've already played a bunch of songs. So, you know, what's on the table and what's off the table. And yeah. I think learning that that's a 60 song list uh like a, an A side and a B side basically. So they basically have 120 songs put together uh, with ready to go. Um, it's, it's made it slightly easier for me to see patterns in their playing, like songs that are extremely uh, hot right now, as opposed to songs they kind of uh, hold off on and just happen to pull out of the, you know, I think of them like putting these 60 songs in like a hat and drawing lots basically. But for some reason there's songs that, they tend to just keep in rotation more so than others. Um, I think like the some of the newer stuff is very obvious to pull out. Like 555, they've been playing a lot. Um, they've been playing Everything's Right a lot. So there's a couple of these songs where you're just like, oh, you know, I know that they're kind of in their like, you know, bread basket right now. And it, there's a possibility. That this Are you talking about out. their new songs? Cause five fifty five is totally random that you say that. I think it's more like no man, no man's land and blaze on and soul planet and set your soul free and infinite and all their new stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's also Fuego's Fuego. Fuego is still very much a part of that rotation for sure. Why I've, did you say, when's the last time I played five fifty five? Uh, like yesterday or two days ago, <laughs> not yesterday at, um, I'm sorry, it should be, people don't know when we're recording this. Yesterday was, for us, the, uh, yesterday for us was um, 
It was North Carolina. Which they did not play 555 show. yesterday. Yeah, they, they've played it. I think you just said 555 and you're totally wrong. I just saw I it on a set list. Okay. Literally just saw sure. it on a set but list. But I don't think they play that all the time. All right, this is semantics. 555 not, might not be a heavy rotated, but it's rotating because it's new. That's the 555 point. is not new, dude. Fuego is still no a man in no man's land is new. Blaze right. on is new. Infinite is new. Set your soul free. Soul planet, like all of those. Those are new songs. Five fifty five is not new. Okay, newer music. It's if in we're the same. Really it's in the same uh, bracket as like forty six days. So they played fifty five or forty six days, and they played forty six days recently. Which is what we started. So the show again, with. you magically just you know pull it all back together. Just made my point. There's songs that are in rotation, and songs that are not. They you know they either play five fifty five or they play forty six days, one or the other. And so if you get five fifty five, you know you're more possible to get a forty six days and vice versa. But that's so. not a five fifty five is not a new song. I would not classify. All it right, as a new so you're song. getting stuck on semantics, and that's not really the point. It's a newer song. Yeah, they I play five fifty five more likely than they would play something from like you know ghost or undermine you know like, on fish.net so, they always do breakdowns yes of, of how many songs are on how many from how many albums yes yes so you can check that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm aware okay anyway um so to move on to the next big debate other than east coast west coast uh what a lot of people are talking about uh is whether yesterday's uh north carolina the raleigh uh, show is the best show so far to date um, and for the, the summer tour for the summer tour and the other two shows that get talked about are the gorge mm-hmm. um, and uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, Alberta, I think it was the city they played in. So Alpharetta, Alpharetta. three nights in Alpharetta. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I personally think that in terms of song selection, the way it looks on paper, I think mm-hmm. yesterday, you know, Raleigh was the best show to date by far. I think the song selection was amazing. I think it was, uh, and you know, it made me feel like I was watching Old Fish for a second because they had the whole uh, run like an antelope, run away gym. Like they were moving in yeah, and out they of did each some one. Weird stuff in the second set, which you didn't even realize. So, um, <laughs> yeah, as it was happening, I didn't realize it and yep. went back to listen to it. Was completely blown away. No, because I got confused in the second set. I was just like, they were just playing antelope. Wait, Runaway Jim? Antelope? Wonder, and you were making fun of me. You were like, it's this song right now. And I was like, I kind of got lost because I remember them being in the other one. And they bl- they blurred so well together that I didn't know, you know, one from the next. And not realizing that it was just all seamless, you know, moving in and out of both songs, which was dope. Um, but yeah. Um, I think trying to, again, talk about the gorge on paper is a lot harder than, you know, saying it was a good show and like watching it. Um, So really it comes down to me talking about uh, Raleigh and Georgia and the nights that people pull out from Georgia night one and night three. And then the obviously um, Raleigh show was a one off. So there's nothing really to pull up. But I just really want to quickly take a look at uh, set uh, this is night uh, three. Night three is the one that's talked about as like the best of the weekend. Um, that's the uh, show where they opened up with You Sexy Thing. And uh, they did Tweezer Reprise, which they had played uh, the day before. And they did it as the second song um, instead of just closing the show with it. And honestly, I, the only thing that I really love about this show um, is that You Sexy Thing becomes a tease well through the second set. Um, and then makes a little reprise after bathtub gin, um, in the second set. 
Um, and they also encore with 2001, which I love. Uh, the other things that people call out in this show, um, I'm trying to find it. There was an 18 minute golden age and, uh, from night one, which is the one that everybody was like, Oh, you know, they jammed out crazy. Um, People were talking about, you know, about First Tube and Martian Monster, Into Tube, um, Walls of the Cave, 555 was played in Georgia, <laughs> to bring talk about that real quick. And then you had Tweezer in the second set opening it. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, second set for this show is Tweezer, Blazon, Prince Caspian, Karini, Simple, Winter Queen, and Harry Hood. It's, like, not a really, I don't know, nothing about either one of those shows really, like, pops off to me. The Georgia shows. There's like a couple good jams in there, but nothing that I feel particular to like write home about. I don't know. I think you could compare Night Three and Alpharetta to Yesterday, just because they did really unique stuff. Yeah. So that's been the big debate. Like, what do you want? Do you want like these like 2.0 jams? Do you want like you know the seamlessness of Fish, where they go in and out of songs? Like, what is it about it that that people are really like crazy about? What do you want? Uh, that's a good question. I think overall, like mood of the show sticks out to me a lot. I think a lot of the energy that they build up during a show is based on song selection. So I would prefer a rocking song selection that's slightly more standard than a, you know, a set list that's on paper a little, you know, maybe like a B plus, but the jamming is in A plus. I, I, I don't know, but that's just me. That's how I, I jive through a show. If they immediately play, you know, any sort of bluegrassy song, uh, you know, that's my take a piss song, sit down song. So if that snuck in somewhere instead of like a walls of the cave or, um, I don't know, just something sl- uh, slower like Ocelot or, you know, even Farmhouse. Like, I'd gladly take those instead of the blue- bluegrass stuff. So my perspective becomes very subjective very quickly. So... How about you? I like when they do interesting stuff. Like last night's second set was awesome. Except Drown sucked. Like you can you can analyze these as much or as little as you want. Which show do you prefer? Which show of the two that we're comparing do you prefer? Raleigh, for sure. Last night. Yeah. Why? Uh, it was just a rocking show. And it was coming you off of seeing them paying in attention Kingdom. to most of it. Uh, what you think paying attention is, is like, I don't know. I was listening to it. It's not like I wasn't. Just because a, a couch tour means that like I might not always have eyes on the screen doesn't mean I'm not present and listening to what's going on. So you prefer last night. So you being in the camp that says last night was the best show of the... Best show of the run so far. Absolutely. I honestly like hate debating stuff like this. It's getting to a point where I just like don't give a shit. And like, I hate people that criticize fish and like both shows were equally great. I mean, let's talk about Camden. We were actually there. I thought both Camden shows were great too. Uh, I disagree. I thought they, I, the one thing I did like about the Camden shows, uh, that we talked about as we were leaving the venue, um, was arguably one of the worst shows I ever saw. And I think it was what, two years ago was SPAC when we went to, uh, it was my like first real SPAC experience and um the show was just terrible it also rained and it was like miserable um and I walked away from that show feel or those shows feeling like man I could have skipped these shows and I would have been fine um BB and T Pavilion Camden like I didn't feel that way I actually really enjoyed the fact that they were kind of like 
mass shows to me in terms of feeling because it humanized fish for me. And it was the first time ever in the entire time of me going to see fish where Mike Gordon couldn't play weak, a groove and sing it at the same time. And you can go back and listen to it. You hear him flubbing and stopping and trying to get back on beat. And then he'll like, he's struggling to figure out like, should he sing or should he play? And it, it's wicked groove is a bass driven tune. Um, so obviously he keeps trying to just play through it. And even from the whole, you know, song in the middle where he stops slapping and he's just playing with a pick, you go to the end, he starts slapping again. He just can't get it. And I started laughing, but not like in a, like a menacing way, but like in a, wow, this, like this happens to him. He's a human being. And I've gotten so used to their amazing musicianship to the point where it's just like, no, they're allowed to just have like, okay shows and that's fine. I don't think that um, either Camden show was just an okay show. I thought both shows were awesome. I thought the second show was better. Yeah. But you tend to be hyperbolic about fish. And I've, I mean, I do too, but like you, especially I, I don't like having these types of conversations with you because you go, the show is great. And I go, okay, cool. Well, you know what's what, what's not great about momo dance into free and undermine into theme from the bottom sweet one steam train song Haley's comet everything's right i want like three of those songs to come out of the set and uh who cares that first set was awesome yeah i mean yeah that's they played great farmhouse yesterday that's the shittiest song that could honestly be argued as the shittiest I like fish farmhouse song. See, now you I'm do saying. see now you do because it's part of a set that you think is the best you constantly change your position on fish and i think you just shit all over them and i think that they're great I <laughs> and they're gonna just progressively keep getting better and better and better and better up to curveball next weekend and they're gonna do a great fucking show i see and i think that's a kind of a bullshit thing to say i think what you're trying to say that i do is that the way they structure their sets are important and the way the set flows is important and what you're saying is is they could play an entire set of crap and you're still gonna sit there and go i love that show that was great i got see fish play i and don't think cool. anything they play is crap that and that's my point it's hyperbolic to you you don't and that's the big debate it's between not. people who analyze it and people who don't you're the type of person that when someone is sitting there criticizing it you'd be you turn around and you'd be like did you enjoy the show and if they say yes you're well like then well, what does it matter exactly like and and that's cool. what does it matter why bug, do you have to be such a bug, hater dude? it doesn't matter because when you start what, going can we talk about things you actually liked about camden <laughs> is that something we can do or did you not um, like anything they only played a couple songs that you know really rested free is my one of, is my favorite fish song of all time so they played my favorite song uh they played they also played bowie in bowie, camden yep. they also played fucking mike's hydrogen weekapog they also fucking played a bunch of cool shit like that's what i'm saying man listen I'm I think not you trying just are to so quick. I think you're so you're... quick to like hate on things. I think you're so quick to be critical no. of things, and it's like getting to a point where if you just like don't, if you want to be that critical, then you should just stop going to shows. I think, or go to all of them, or go to none of them. Like who gives First a of shit? all, fuck you. I'm allowed to be as critical of them as I want to be. And that's why people have fish.net. And that's why things like this exist. That's why all the whole- articles I read on fish.net are positive And they just do like run throughs of the set list and talk about like how they played specific songs. Yeah, and no I've one read says artic- like, this song sucks. Like, this is stupid. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. So again, people are allowed to have their opinions and discuss shit. And I think it's the negative that make the yeah, highlights I'm the positive. Yeah, I'm just getting to a point where like I'm so sick of people hating on what fish does because it's like always fun and it's like always a party and you always hang out with people that are cool and like it's just a good way to spend your time. 
always yeah but you were just telling me the other day about how you're starting to like understand the musicianship more because of stuff that we've done on this podcast for me to show you and you're starting to see shit that you can't unhear so really all you're talking about is the matter of time and perspective on an individual and how they look at music and how they quantify it and how they choose to be critical of you know what they're watching so again someone can go there and just be like I'm just happy to go to a show that's great that same person can start going to a ton of shows back to back to back to back and as they start trying to find the differences between shows that inherently means to criticize them like it it's it, it finding, doesn't ha- finding differences doesn't mean you have to be critical right. in a negative it's way how deep down the hole you want to go you can be like you know what this show was different than this one because the energy was slightly different you could go to a show and be like you know what this one had more noticeable flubs to a point where i can notice it and not get into it as much you can start looking yeah, at these I mean, things and start or again, you can just ignore stuff like that again and it takes a very very special type of person or drugs to make that happen is my argument so I think you're too critical and I love fish and I like that I'm too critical you know I'm a musician and I like watching them play like that's one of the reasons I'm super into them so like watching Mike's uh, that's one of my favorite week of of all time because of the mess ups and because of how it was so again I I can draw that because I can recognize it. If I can't recognize it, I'm completely oblivious to what's happening in front of me. If I'm not a musical person, then the flubs don't matter. You know, if I care about writing and imagery, then the music doesn't matter. What they sing matters, you know, and what songs they decide to play. That's what makes people's opinions about the band their opinions and i think that there are jam based articles i think there are fish.net articles that get critical of them and things that don't i think it's getting to a point now where i think that it you it can be made a very good argument where they're just going to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it and maybe i'm not articulating myself properly i don't like people who try to predict predict what they're going to play and i don't like people who try to be extremely critical of what they and i say played. that is so bullshit because the entire time we were at camden you were trying to guess what song they were going to play next and you flipped your shit when you guessed it right so you do that too. Again, it's just how deep and how critical you want to get I actually about don't it. like when people do that anymore and I'm going to have to not hang out with people who are next to me calling out songs. I'm like not into that anymore. Like really pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> it takes away from my enjoyment. Cool. I don't like when people call shit out way before. You're talking about the Karini that I called out and it's because I was talking about Karini like the whole day and how I thought they were going to play it and be awesome and it's honestly just what I felt like hearing as a next song and they've played it. And, and that's, that's cool. what an individual goes, does when they go to see Fish, especially now that they're playing less and there aren't as many shows. People have gotten even more into being like, well, what are they going to play? Because now it becomes a game of like, what am I like? Because you as the person going to see them, if you're not that super fan that loves all their music equally and loves all their songs songs equally you start looking at the shows they played right before in order to predict this possibility of you getting the songs that you want to hear yeah yeah i I mean i do that but i'm just saying i don't like i don't base my fish going experience around what songs i think they're gonna play like i never do that if you're lucky enough to go to all of them, that's cool. You'll get to see all the songs. Like, I can't afford to do but that. But that's why Baker's Dozen was so unique, and that's why we had such a good experience at Baker's Dozen. They played over 200 songs, and yeah. none of them repeated. We saw a ton of content. Yeah. So now, when you come out of that, and you go, you know, we're only the East Coast of their tour, and it's the you know only a couple shows that we physically, geographically have access to, unless we drive all the way down to Georgia or drive down to North Carolina. It's like, you only get two shows to see them live. So if people are... You see how you're already setting people up to be like, oh, man, like I went to that show really hoping for a yam and I never got it. 
But then you can, again, like you're saying, you can choose how you look at that. You can be like, but you got a Petrichor, and that's the new Yem. So yeah, that's it's what like, I'm you know, saying. There was something there for you to hold on to. So And I'm saying maybe that people are so, you, not people, you are so quick to shit on the Camden shows because they were in between Alpharetta and last night's Raleigh. The, I'm not trying to shit on the Camden shows. What I'm trying to say is that sometimes uh, you need a little uh, more, like, you don't need a show that rocks you from start to finish. Because the other shows help you appreciate, A, that those shows rocked from start to finish, and B, appreciate the fact that you can go to a more mellow show and still enjoy yourself. So again, if anything you're going to pull from my Camden criticism, it should be that there was a lot of noticeable flubs. You know, before Week of Paw Groove, there was a song right before where Trey was fudging up real too, and I was laughing. I was like, oh man, it almost seems contagious that, you know, the slight little bits of mess-ups passed from Trey to Mike, and it was really awesome to me because it was really humanizing, and it made me feel like, you know, they have nights too where it ebbs and flows, and as Trey always says, it's all about energy. (laughs) And sometimes they have it and sometimes they don't. P.S. Shout out to the new soundboard that I made for our podcast, and I'm looking forward to filling it up with more sounds. And I know right now you think I'm being a big, but whatever. (laughs) Teach their own is what I say. Curveball next weekend. Curveball next weekend. Make sure to take out your tents, waterproof them now so they can dry. Make sure that all your, you know, your your poles and your stakes are in there. Make sure, you know, do your shit. It's going to possibly rain that weekend. Be prepared. Ponchos are your friend. <laughs> we got rained on in Camden. Let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> but it was so flipping hot that we actually enjoyed the rain. And it wasn't like enough that we were getting like soaking wet. It was like just enough to just be refreshing which I thought was really cool because the last time it rained on me, I was miserable. Yep. Night one, it rained pretty much the whole second set. Yeah. And it was crazy. Like the, the lawn like kind of opened up a little bit, but it definitely did not like it didn't empty out, which is really interesting to me. Um, one of the worst shows uh, weather wise I ever saw was at Jones beach and it was like a typhoon and people just didn't move. They didn't care. They were just standing in it, and they were just like, screw it. Um, it amazes me that fans are that devoted and love them that much that they'll sit through like the worst, shittiest conditions to see them. I will. <laughs> I do, too. Okay. <laughs> I just might criticize them a little bit along the way. <laughs> I just, like, it pisses me off, and it's, like, honestly getting to a point where, like, I don't, you're so critical before, there, and after that it's, like, kind of, pooping on my experience these yeah, days yeah yeah i don't breath? really want to <laughs> have that like i don't want that energy around me i don't want that negativity around me yeah you're you're trey in bittersweet motel you're the whole kiss my ass you fucking tool <laughs> and i'm brad so that's it's fine fine for you that's and, what and I'm people saying. Are, but <laughs> what i'm saying to you is is like if you're truly altruistic like hyperbolic about fish my opinion should have no impact on you whatsoever i just think you are too critical but that's fine for me i like being that way i like meeting up with you know other fish fans and talking about like critical stuff and being like oh did you hear this like part of like this whatever and like the changes here like i I look forward to going to curveball and sitting in the lot and talking to people and be like hey did you hear that week of pong where mike was just like you know couldn't find the groove in it and like talking about it like i think you're talking literally talking out your asshole because everyone we talked to at camden you had nothing but good things to say you didn't criticize fish once. 
there is an unspoken rule among Wooks that you don't start talking about a show for 72 hours because there's the hype of the show itself, the hmm. adrenaline and everything else. Yeah. And it, for, it, it keeps you from having a critical lens. Sure, so sure. if you want to be critical about fish, you have to kind of let the show die down for a second before you can actually look at it. Yeah. And I think we've had plenty of time to do that with uh, Camden. The only thing I'll give you is that I haven't had time to settle on that with Raleigh from, you know, because it was just yesterday. Uh, yesterday's but, show was fine and good and honestly like i whatever it was great but like they were only there for one day so like that's what you should expect right like no no in, in terms of con no. in terms of content i i don't see how alpharetta doesn't win what, they played three solid nights and, like every single night was solid what, so you're getting three nights of greatness versus one night of greatness so if you're talking about time and content and overall total of what they played nothing out nothing can beat alpharetta yet right but they can choose in a in a single one-off show they can choose to jam pack it full of like 16 songs yeah they, they weren't fucking gonna play nine. they weren't gonna play yem like but what i'm saying they didn't plan to do that well, trey I, turned around to fish and started fucking saying it what I am saying to you is, is that to your point, they can show up and do whatever the hell they want. And you're saying that people shouldn't be critical of them. What I'm what I'm also saying is that out of that, Correct. you can get a one off show where there's, you know, they play all the hits and they, you know, they play everything standard and they jam pack the set or they play less songs. They play nine songs, you know, five songs in, in, in the first set and four songs in the second set and just jam out. And they're going to be people who are hypercritical of both sides. They're going to be people. I, I, my well of songs they can pull from that are good is like 10 times the size of your well of songs they can pull from that are good. I know. And that's what makes, you know, us unique in our fish fandom is that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a whole genre of music that I can't stand that they play. I hate bluegrass. I hate it. And I always joke with you every time they play it. I'm like, the only reason these songs are okay to me is because they're all two minutes long. So I just, I power through them. I so sit down, nothing, I take a break. Is there nothing... So you're saying a fish show is a wash for you unless they do something like they did in night three in Alpharetta or yesterday at Raleigh, which is like antelope into like they did like, you know, four songs all combined. I'm saying <laughs> that there are moments in all the shows that I've been to and I've been to a shit ton of shows at this point mm. where I walk away and I go, that's a show that I will constantly go back to listening to. Yeah. And there are shows where I go, I will forget about that show. Not forget about it like, you know, there's no point in listening to it. It's not like they didn't play and it wasn't whatever. But when I go on yeah, my yeah, phone yeah, yeah. to listen to music, I'm not listening to tracks from that show. Huh. And what I'm saying is, is that having all the SBDs for the first time of all the shows, whether I've been to them or not, there are clear patterns that I've already noticed. I do listen to Alpharetta Night 3 a lot. I do listen. I already have the SBDs from yesterday. I've already listened to them this morning. So it's like yeah. there are certain things that i know that i'm gonna go revisit because of how awesome it was There's yeah i mean you just talked about the two best shows in the tour so far right and like you know camden but had i'm not not gonna go back so and listen to camden because we were there so if you want to end the fish segment with me saying something that i liked about camden yeah, that everything's positive, right that they played dick. that everything's right that they played was a jam chart worthy everything's right yeah that was, was great insane the jam and it was awesome yeah so again there are there's always a silver lining in a fish show but if you're gonna start comparing fish shows as they were doing you know on the social media for the you know this morning coming off of raleigh like it makes sense that fish nerds are gonna be like well this show is better it's gonna be like well yeah it's like nothing not all of them can be the best no of course <laughs> right but the, the whole point of going to and all what's the what's so bad with a good show 
show. The a whole, great show. The whole point of going to all these shows is that to you as the individual, and you know, some people are not like this, but for me, it's like I'm chasing my perfect show. And I've gotten really fudging close a couple times to the point where it's just like, you know, I want to feverishly continue to see them because I'm convinced that one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a show that I'm going to go, there's, there's no better show until I go to the next one and then until I go to the next one. But you know what? Because there's no not such all, thing as a perfect show. And I disagree. No such thing. I disagree. I think uh, last year's New Year's Eve run was the one of the nights we were there was insane. The Saturday before that was insane. Like the parameters to judge it are too individualistic, and I think that. All right. I don't know. Like I enjoy seeing them do things that are really unique, like yesterday and like night three of Alpharetta, where they did the you sexy thing tease. That was cool. Yeah. But I also love Camden. And honestly, the two shows I'm going to go back to and listen to this entire tour are Camden and Curveball <laughs> after Curveball's off because I was at both those shows. Yeah. And nothing, nothing can compare to me having the memories to draw from of hearing those songs or remembering being there. And that's what I'm saying. You polarize to the actual live experience. And for yes. someone like me who polarizes to like the execution of the music and like how the music, you know, you know how I interpret it becomes more important. So Camden will so again, be shows that th- I don't so, go so, back to but, listen so, but to. But that's what I'm saying. Why do you go see any live shows at all? You don't seem to appreciate them. You don't seem to enjoy the live experience. What are you, you don't seem to about? divorce them from the rest of the that's, shows. That's, like, why do you go see live shows? What are you at all? talking about? I do draw from the live experience. I just said if I'm gonna go listen to anything in Camden, it's gonna be everything's right because it's a, a jam worthy song. Like, what I'm saying is, is that there are things that you attach to mm. that are not technicality of music related the way that right. I do. Yes. You attach to the actual experience. So you just admitted to me that of out of the entire run of this year, <laughs> you're going to go listen to the shows that you physically were at. Mo- so you're, more than any other. And yes. you're filtering out other shows that I will listen to more than you because I'm looking at it under a very specific lens. There yeah. are things that people gravitate towards yeah. the same way that like when we were at the show and they were playing fucking my sweet one and people are dancing their faces off and kicking their knees almost into their forehead (laughs) because they're dancing so hard and i'm sitting in my rental seat because i don't want to fucking stand because that song is to me especially having you know weak legs these days like i'm like i'll take the break so that when the next song comes that i like i can get up and dance my face off to it it's just matter of preference and i think the one thing that is common is fish and even different types of fans can through these discussions that you and I are even having right now, find things that we have common ground on. Yeah. yeah. So, be- but that's what I'm saying. I like to focus on those things being positive and, and I'm communal and talking about all the good things. And I'm saying if you and I spent the entire time talking about only the good things all the time and didn't have some sort of conflict that it would be a boring conversation. So you need again, the valleys to, appreciate yeah, the i mean that in a conversation yes yeah. not in an experience you don't need somebody constantly bitching about how yesterday last night was shittier than this night yeah, you're, you're you don't, i don't need right. that i don't need that in an experience that's what i'm trying to you're 100 right and i don't like people who do that when we you know we're coming out of baker's dozen i remember coming out on jam donut night and there was a guy behind me on the escalator being like uh that was all super forced and stupid i wish they hadn't dragged those songs out as long as they did and i turned around to him and i was like are you fucking kidding me i was like dude i've been listening to fish since 2010 that's the first time i've ever seen any essence of like a 1.0 show and he was like oh yeah I guess I didn't think about it like that and I'm sure he went back to listen to the show yeah. afterwards and went huh you know the, it's again by drawing through the things that uh, 
speak to us and, 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 you know, finding that middle ground that helps us appreciate more. You know, having this conversation with you is going to make me go back to listen to Camden from top to bottom again and try to look for more silver linings. But if I don't have that conversation with you and I stay in my own perspective and I only think what I think all the time, then I'm never going to get exposed to a new experience with anything with them. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure, for uh, sure. You know, if I, if I stop listening to Soul Planet every time they say it and I go to take a piss, it might not start, you know, dawning on me that that's a new song that's a uh, jam vehicle for them. Yeah. And every time they play it, they stretch it out really fucking long. And yeah. that's what makes that song cool. Yes. But you have to eat a little bit of the, you know, the hokey new song part of it in order to get the good part of it. It's again, you take the good, you take the bad. You got to take them both because that's what makes it more enjoyable on the whole. If everything was just great and awesome all the time, I mean, then I think you're just being hyperbolic and just choosing to see it one specific way. And I'm sure there's another person who gets dragged to fish shows because their husband or wife likes it and they don't like the band. And they're like, fuck this band. But I go every time. You know, you need that, you need that play back and forth. Yeah. Okay. Why else would you read articles then? Would If all the articles were like, Fish is great. This is another great show. I read like, articles that break down the set lists and how they went into certain songs and special things that they did, et cetera, et cetera. My favorite article that I read recently was from some guy on fish.net that was just like, man, everyone should shut the fuck up and just be happy that we're living in an age where fish is playing live. And yeah. we, get, we have the privilege of getting to see I could them. have been born in 1885 and, you know. Or, I mean, fish yeah. is going to stop playing at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and we get the privilege to see them now and go see them live. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying that there aren't times where they mess up. I'm not saying that, you know, this show's song selection was better or worse than this song i'm just saying i think that people need to not be so super critical and just think more about enjoying the overall experience yeah <laughs> going into curveball everyone should be psyched man it's all about energy it's true i <laughs> it's funny you keep doing that because i truly do think i approach shows the same way that like fish uh trey like the band does like yeah trey you interview trey after baker says and sometimes and they were just like oh like you know what made you guys blah, blah, blah. and they were like talking about specific songs and he was just like oh i forgot that we played that song yeah like after a show i will completely forget what i just heard and was just like damn that was a really good show yeah <laughs> Hey man, whatever I, it, works for you. It's not. It's but, not yeah. so specific. I just like it. Really bugs me when like people are like negative and critical, and it like harshes my mellow man. Yeah. So I, just again, be happy in a time that you're like fucking getting to go see fish. Last night's show was epic, but so was night three of Alpharetta. So was night two of Camden. So was like the gorge was gorgeous. Same thing. Like it's like. You like different shows for different things. And I understand that like people go see them for the music and at the heart of it and the core of it, it's for the music. But there are other things about the live experience and being in a specific place with specific people that make it cool. Yeah. Like night two, we were playing with that little kid. It was fun. Yeah, it was a little nine-year-old running around. Jack. Uh, his, shout out to him. Yeah, Jack? shout out Jack. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he was just searching for glow sticks. Yeah, he was like, obsessed with finding but, glow you know, sticks. You know, like, That's awesome. <laughs> couldn't one argue that if they played a different type of set one, he would have saw those glow sticks a lot sooner and been a lot more happier sooner in the show? He was definitely out by the time that it was like a glow stick war. So yeah, yeah he was missing a good <laughs> chunk of it. So again, to maybe to his perspective, set one could have been a lot better if they had played the tweezer that he was hoping for. That's the part I felt bad for the little nine-year-old jack just wanted tweezers so bad and we knew that it was never going to happen because it happened in, you know the, the night before so i was turning to a friend of ours and i was just like 
would be would telling him that tweezers never gonna happen be like telling him that santa claus isn't real yeah exactly that's <laughs> what i'm saying keep that childlike youth and uh you want the uh and the yeah, yeah the but, naivety that, yeah, uh, yeah yeah that's what i'm saying you like i think i think maybe that's yeah. what's getting to me like i i don't like when i can hear what a song is before they start playing it. i don't like that yeah, you i don't like that my brain does that yeah i like to be like whoa this is cool like yeah but that's what happens Give again. So time. You, uh, you can understand where the wooks come from. If you've been seeing fish for over 200 plus shows, you, you, at some point you're again, having to draw. You're, you're forced so. to look for things that are more critical and more nuanced and more detailed because you've seen it a half a billion times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but there are still, still people out there that have seen them, you know, since the early nineties that still love, like my friends still are like, Oh, I love it backwards down the number line. Oh man. My friends have been going to shows since 92. Yeah, shout out to you getting that on your birthday. Yeah, I got backwards uh, on the number line on my birthday. Yeah. You're and a Mike's Hydrogen Week of Pug. Thank you, Fish, for playing my birthday. This is the first time since I've been a Fish fan that I got to see them at Camden on my birthday, so that's pretty cool. That's dope. Yeah, it's a good birthday. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take us out on the meat stick from set two yeah. of Camden, so uh, you get your little... No, set two of last night, North Carolina. No, it was in Camden. They didn't play meat stick in Camden. I'm looking at it right now. Two uh, eight seven twenty eighteen B B and T Pavilion, Camden, New Jersey. Meat stick. What? First song, second set. Oh, you're anyway. right about that. <laughs> we'll see you guys after this short fifteen minute break. Uh... This is in Raleigh, North Carolina, from last night. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs>
Listeners, and welcome back to God Jabril. I'm Eliza. And I'm the kid. We uh we decided to go to Philly uh to see fish and we got the awesome opportunity to go to Tired Hands Brewing Company. Tired Hands Brewing Company? Tired Hands Brewing. There's a bunch of different facilities that they own, so I don't really know what they like to go by. I think it's just Tired Hands. Okay. Um but yeah, we got to uh hang out there and try out all their beers. Uh they they have a really freaking cool uh what is it like a brew pub i guess it's like a brew yeah, restaurant so they have so they have uh, a uh, a beer store basically they have a fermenteria they have the general store and they have the beer cafe the beer cafe was the first place they ever opened that's in ardmore a little bit like down the street from 
where we were, which is the Fermenteria, which is actually where they produce beer. And then their general store is a separate location where you can just go and buy like can releases, bottles, merchandise. And yeah. there they actually do every Thursday. They do, you pay and you do like rare bottle tastings from what they pull, what they select from the general store. So that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Um, it was pretty nuts. By the time we left there to go back to the hotel to get ready to go to the concert, uh, people were already outlined, like outside in line for the can release. It was insane. Yeah, so we, uh, I have some friends there and we actually got super hooked up. So thank you, Tired Hands. We got a bunch of really cool beers from them. Um, And one of the beers we got was Hand Beer. It's essentially essentially a crushable IPA. And that's the beer they were releasing on Thursday for their can release. Should we try this? Uh, You want to try it? I do. So we have a crushable IPA called their hand <laughs> beer. That's what they released Thursday. And I do, I will have to confirm this, but I was asking you, I'm pretty sure while we were sitting there eating like our chips and salsa, they were like canning this. Yes. Beer. It was canned on Thursday. Yeah. Like hours before they were going to release. This, Two days which is ago. crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts to me. Um, and then we got the ergot. This is something I've honestly never heard of in my life. It is a whole cacao quadruple IPA. I've never had a quadruple IPA, which is going to be cool. And there's cocoa beans in it. I don't know. It's going to be weird. And then Technicolor Splendor, which is Simcoe spelt double IPA. And their, their can spelt. Yeah. So it's like spelt like the gluten-free grain. Uh, their can art is really cool. Uh, can we? Is it possible for us to take a picture and post it up? also um, post the website or no no vi- no pictures if they have it on their uh website i can just link it but yeah yeah cool so um thanks tired hands for hooking it up yeah they uh they have a really awesome setup <laughs> sorry yeah sorry <laughs> it's a brew pub i believe is how it should be classified yes um yeah, so it's like a, you know, they have a huge sit-down front area with, like, high tabletops, and then they have, like, an actual bar area, but, like, n- it doesn't feel like a tasting room. It definitely feels more like a restaurant. So the building um, the building they're in, the Fermenteria is in, is an 85-year-old building that used to be a trolley repair car, uh, a trolley repair building. So it's just a right. ginormous it's open a huge space. garage. It's yeah, like a huge giant garage. open space. So everything is exposed. Yeah. All the brewing equipment is exposed. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool ironwork going on there. I don't know if they have like an ironworker friend or partner with somebody, it's, but there's um, like the gates of their hands and there's a lot of cool iron fixtures. Yeah. Uh it's definitely uh super, super cool. And they have like a bunch of uh flouters, they have a bunch of like huge like thirty barrel fermenters, they have a I wanna say it's uh or it was 20 barrel fermenters. They have a 10 barrel system is what I would guess. Uh, I didn't actually ask. But, I don't know. Their website um, says they produce 10,000 barrels a year, but yeah. they don't. I think they don't produce that much. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're honestly a very small brewery. Yeah. From from PA. And where we, uh, you know, there is some other beer in this market because they are technically distributed, but I don't. we don't really see a whole lot of their stuff. They're also like in a really interesting market. We uh, came to find out because of these like Puritan liquor laws that they have to like contend with. And there's like all these regulations and shit that they have to deal with that. I've Yeah. So what were we, what were we talking about with Bobby? He was saying that people come and pick up cans and then bring right. them across so you the county lines or something. Yeah. You can't technically sell beer. Like you can't uh, distribute it yourself cross county lines. 
So um, okay, there's some way that they get around that loophole with how they have their uh, loading docks set up so that like it's an open access system basically and you can just come to the, if you can like promise them that you can come to them and pick it up and drive it wherever you need to drive it, you're technically buying it on-prem and then you just take it wherever. And then you can resell it, right? Yeah. At a bar or That's, also a bottle shop? Uh, I didn't, I, I think, I thought we were exclusively talking about draft, so I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't ask. Oh, he was talking about people coming to pick up kegs from them? That's what I thought he was talking oh, about. Oh, I thought yeah. it was cans. Yeah. Could be both. I don't know. Yeah, Philly is a very weird liquor. The Puritan laws there are really weird. So how they have to go about like getting their beer out into uh, what he was saying that allowed them, which I really appreciated. He is he was saying he has full control over who he disperses his beer to. Exactly. So he can go to an account and, and like he, first of all, he doesn't go to accounts accounts come to him correct so and they say we want to pick this up and he says you know what i trust you i know that you're going to keep our beer i know that you're going to move it really quickly which is important to us because we want it served fresh since it is small and you know very you know locally made and fresh batched so it's like yeah yeah, yeah for sure it's like they kind he of has have all, all the control the... and does none of the work so i mean it's more of it's, he's got a good he's got no, a good no, no, situation I, the the point you should be focusing on is that he has all the control <laughs> Uh-huh. And that's what's really cool. And then at the end of the day, when you think about it, because he's a restaurant, he's also selling to himself. So he's yeah. got his own account that he can just put all the rare shit on on draft there if he wants to. He's got literally all of the control. And from a brewer's standpoint, that's something that's always really important to me and that a lot of people don't think about. Um you know, uh, most the way, you know, capitalism and business wants you to work is that you just want to push as much volume out there as, you know, sell to anybody that you can. But with beer, it's so much about like the systems that they're going into and who's going to take care of them and who's going to, again, move them quickly and, and Qu- store yeah, them properly. Quality. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It, quality control. It's control over the quality. A really, a thing. it's a thing that people don't think about often is that beer is food and a liquid. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like an afterthought kind of. I guess people don't have to think about that as much with wine and liquor because it just stores better. But yeah, you can send that for a while. Um, I mean, particularly tired hands in you know as a brewery, they like to operate small because they like to do a lot of experimental stuff. Yeah, and use a lot of like local grains and local fruit and all kinds of like that. The rustic pentagram, the mango saison we had there was great. Um, I will say that this crushable IPA is pretty good uh so it's good. a little dry for me so good. uh it's a little dry for me that's all i'll say i think this beer is so good i drank two of these yeah to my face hole i mean when we were talking a lot about crushable last uh episode and like i i think one of the qualities for me that's really important to make me want to drink 30 not 30 but you know a bunch of the same type of beer is that it has to be refreshing it can't be dry if I drink it, and I don't I'm think thirstier, this is. I don't think um, this is overly dry. But I understand me, what you're saying. Palate. I think uh, it's the combination of you know it's a hoppy, it's a crushable IPA, so it's really hoppy. It's hard to and, make uh, something lower in alcohol, thinner in body, but just like hoppy enough to satiate hop heads and not be dry. What you're looking for is you need more malts to make it a balance, and that's not where they're kind of going in the crushable IPA session IPA category. See, and I think that thin, means... light, dry, hoppy. That's where they're going with it. I think uh, I think that's where the brewed IPA is going to start winning people over is that you don't have to make it hoppier and to make it a crushable IPA, you can make it just as floral as an IPA would be and just not have it be so 
hoppy. I think a lot of things that turn people off on an IPA, a, crush, a crushable IPA should be able to satisfy those people's palates. You're saying so that this like, beer is too dry for you. Yeah, just a little bit. I, I, I think, drink it and I want water afterwards. Uh, okay, I think you should continue drinking this. Yeah. As it warms up, I think it's going to be different. Okay. And I mean, so like, we, I, s- my point is I think a lot of session IPAs that are bitter are perceptively bitter on your first sip. And I think the more and more you drink it, the more and more you're like, yeah, this is actually really crushable. Okay. So just c- continue going back to it, you know, over the course of it being drank. Sounds good. What else we got? Let's pop another one. I think that the consumption of these cans is about, again, going back to fish, like the experience of going and picking them up and knowing you're getting them super fresh. Yeah. These cans That's have huge. no these cans have no alcohol by volume written on them. Yeah. And they all say this can is brewed or can hyper fresh, unfiltered, unpasteurized, enjoy ASAP. So I think it really is never supposed to sit. I think they literally want people to line up, get their cans, go home, drink them. Yes, that's awesome. That's and I admire so much of what they're doing because I would do the same thing if given the opportunity. Boom. So, do we want to drink the uh, Technicolor Splendor, which is the Spelt Double IPA, or the oh. Cacao Quadruple IPA? Oh no, let's go. Uh, yeah, this is why we haven't tried either one of these because we weren't like looking to get. Messed Smacked, up. The, the yeah. quadruple is thirteen point seven percent. Let's do that one first. Let's just get it out of the way. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And split the can of obviously. Okay. <laughs> and God, neither one of us has to drive. Thank you, so, New York City. So, so, okay. So here's the full description of this beer: Ergot, whole cacao and honey quadruple IPA. So that's how they get the IPA driven up. They add honey. Uh, brewed with sorghum, oats, rye, and wheat, as well as local wildflowered honey, refermented with the juice of the cocoa pod fruit, and conditioned on cocoa nibs. See, I think that can be really good. The coffee dry hopped aggressively with Nelson Sav mosaic and wet German Cascade. See, I think the coffee can cut that alcohol really well, and I think if they, you know, if they got the the tired, steady hand, they can. It's really, really so. Good. So what you're saying is kind of really what I wanted to talk about in terms of tired hands. They do a lot of weird stuff, like weird wacky stuff, like what I just read. I've never heard of before, and that gets me super excited because I've drank pretty much every style there is out there. But it gets me really excited when there's a beer I haven't tried. I'm like, yeah, cool, something I finally haven't tried. I think tired hands' whole thing is they do things like that, very um, nuanced and and generally complicated recipes, but they do everything with a very subtle hand. So their beers. Taste balanced, even if there's a bunch of stuff going on. Let's let's try it. Let's now that I've said that and I've already like <laughs> gone to bat for them. Let's see what this yeah. beer is. Probably should have waited, but I think that's true. <laughs> the beers I've experienced from them thus far. Who knows what this quadruple IPA okay. is going to taste like? Um, yeah, I think you've blown plenty of smoke up their bum bums. Uh, let's pour it out. I had a great time there. Good brewery. There's or, cups behind you. Oh, cool. I'm trying to conserve them for curveball. This is all getting edited in post. Hurry up and fill the. Don't forget cups. Ooh. Hey, come on, man. Whoa, I was just smelling it, it, man. Just pour it out. <laughs> <laughs> Looks great. I love how when you open a beer, you immediately like start sniffing it. You go into Cicerone mode. You immediately like want to taste it. Like you're like, yo, <laughs> you're pouring a beer here. <laughs> 
there's different like whatever it's obviously there's time sensitivity to the way something smells the way something drinks this, this smells cold this uh see so first i smelled it and i was like wow i opened this can and it smelled like apricots me like apricot jam yep. i was like whoa it's the coffee but then i got closer to the glass and i started to smell the alcohol which turns me off immediately oh yeah i can smell a little bit i smell a lot of the coffee though too I smell literally rubbing alcohol because <laughs> this beer's 13.7%. So I smell a lot of alcohol in it. I do smell honey. I do smell apricot. I'll say that as well. I taste a lot of honey. I do taste the alcohol. Um, not as bad as I would expect for a beer this heavy. Um, but you definitely feel the alcohol. Beer pours like a gorgeous apricot, kind of opaque, got nice lacing, nice head. Uh, I Like I said, it smells a lot like booze and it's still cold. So, you know, presumably it warms up. You're going to get a little bit more of that. I think this beer uh, actually drinks really nice. There's no lingering alcohol taste, but I feel like a burning burning going down my chest. Like it's present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I said. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to articulate what I experience and it's way more eloquent than what you said so maybe i'm just reinforcing <laughs> your point all right all right shots fired understood um, i get to beat up your dick in this section <laughs> you get to be an asshole in the fish section i get to beat you up in this section that's how it works oh yeah i guess it just constantly make you feel inadequate about how sweet. little you know sweet overall um, thoughts on the spirit or got uh i think it's really well balanced uh obviously a beer this high in abv the complexity of it is making it balanced um it's really hard to hide that alcohol um it's just you know it honestly has like a mimosa quality you know to, what, to me you like know orangey, what's really interesting to think about what's interesting to think about and it's dangerous because of how high the ABV can start getting. Yeah. Um, but when they start using the enzyme that they're using in brood IPAs and they start applying them to other styles to help dry them out, like could you imagine them using that same enzyme they're using in the brutes in this beer? So like a lot of that alcohol would would now, the way that it's being broken down, like you can actually balance it out even better. But the catch-22 to that is that it's going to keep going. You know, you're taking it basically to one point zero 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 letting it completely ferment out correct so it's like you're talking about beers now that are going to be 17 18 19 percent yeah it's they like could not be. beer anymore <laughs> uh yeah that's debatable taste the <laughs> taste the crush taste the hand ipa again taste it again now that's warmer yeah taste the hand beer again no now that you've also had it against a quadruple ipa oh, that's what uh, i want you to uh, I had the same thought about this beer. I was like, wow, this beer's pretty dry. But the more I drank it, I was like, yeah, it's good. Nope, still too dry for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day. I um, understand. Yeah. My palate's not as fine tuned. I definitely, you know, once incredibly sweeter and drier, which is the quad, but that's to be expected. Should we do a Simcoe spelt double IPA? Um, I love this artwork. This is my favorite can so far. It's like some weird, cool, like Dan Higgsian tattoo skull with like a weird, like snake with its head cut off coming out the mouth. Yeah. It looks like uh, Michelangelo. Who's the guy that goes? Michelangelo. That's not Michelangelo. That's it's not. 
No. Picasso? No. It's Van Gogh, oh, man. Oh, Van Gogh. Yeah, the Jesus same with the starry Christ. night. I don't the, know. Yeah, the, I don't know the art. You're supposed to be the art person. That was fucking terrible. <laughs> Michelangelo, that's one Van Gogh. That's one of Rick's red <gasps> memories right there. This one's a little shaken up. <laughs> All right. This is getting intense, man. Ooh. We basically have uh, session ale, a quad, session and now IPA, a double IPA open. Quadruple IPA, double IPA. I don't know how we're doing the outro of this podcast, but it's going to become very difficult very soon. Can we play <laughs> some music? Yeah, sure. Something from the Camden show that you hated so no, much? No, there's a strict rule of there being no fish in the beer section of this podcast out of courtesy to all of our listeners who listen to the beer portion of this podcast yeah so, see but i think i think you're going against it you're, you're doing the antithesis of what this show is about <laughs> beer and fish have so much in common yeah yes i think that's why the topics work so well together. i i will say how about this I will what was your favorite song of the camden run all right stop it stop or a it. moment can stop you pick it. a moment no, no no we're gonna derail this fish sneaking into beer we're gonna play foam which is a beer Woo! related a beer related fish song and it's tolerable. I'm gonna play it low in the background, and we'll yeah. keep talking about beer. Sounds great. <laughs> great. That's all I was asking for. Sweet. All right. Sierra Nevada has a beer called Foam. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Let's talk it's about be this. A uh, this double IPA. All right, let's try it. Let's give it a whirl. <laughs> I need another cup. I have three. Technicolor Splendor. Oh, it's right here. Thank it's you. Right there. Thank you. I think it is important to talk a little bit about beer now, especially the curveballs coming up. Last time they did Magna Ball, Lawson's was there, Sierra was there, a bunch of really cool breweries were there because they partnered with a lot of breweries from Vermont when they're into good beer. We did the whole beer tasting. Reeks of Simcoe. This beer, it's like all Simcoe. It smells like I'm sniffing pellets of Simcoe. Pe- yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Yep. Okay. Well done on the dry hopping, that being said. Ooh, I love this. Yeah. I love it. It's this. very well balanced. It's a perfect double IPA. Whoa. I could I could crush a lot of those. How much it's what, nine percent? Like I said, there's no percentage on their cans. Oh, but you could I probably looked look up, it up. Yeah, I looked up the Ergot um ABV because I didn't know what a quadruple IPA was. So I'd never <laughs> even heard of that. This is great. You think it's the spelt and the oats and all the, the adjuncts they had? It's very velvety. That's yeah, why I the like it. Feels a lot. Really great. Yeah. Um, yes, I think that's contribute. I think the mouthfeel is why it's tolerable. Um, I think if a beer is going to start being boozy, uh, it should also become like softer to swallow, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you um, don't want the aggressive carbonation to be scraping your palate correct. because it's also dry. And right. then and I want the carbonation dry. To, I want it to yeah, still yeah. be just as carbonated as a correct, beer like that correct. would be, but it's lost in the volume of the beer. Well, I mean, uh, all beer is carbonated, right. right? Something is either like aggressively carbonated or overcarped, right? And that's usually the when it's forced carbonated. You want basically all your pale ales and your double IPAs to be aggressively carbonated to help, you know, release the aromatics of, you know, that's what you're using all those hops for, right? And you want to start getting those apricots and those pineapples and the coconut and all that stuff. In order to do that, you need it to be also very well carbonated. So the velvetiness, like you're saying, is like, you know putting a a blanket over, you know, a bed of nails and now you can sit on it. That's the best way I can say it. <laughs> Softening those sharp edges. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, How that's is why this, I like uh, this is really funny. Side. I just like this beer so much better than the quad. It's so different. Yeah. 
They look identical. They physically, like, you know, with my eyes, they look identical. Like, I wouldn't be able to tell them apart, but this one's so much better. More drinkable, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's better balance. I think the viscosity on the beer, because it's a lot thicker, it's even thicker than the quad is. Um, I almost what is, feel... What is, like... So, like, what do you look for in a beer? I feel like... First of all, to answer the first question, I feel Sorry. like what I'd be looking for in the quad is that it'd be brewed with Brett, because Brett would add that characteristic of 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 like dryness that would help to mask the booziness. Uh, is the answer to that? And what I look for in a beer, <laughs> what kind of beer are we talking about? I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying, like, what what of these three? If you could buy any, if you could taste these three, like we just did, and then go buy a four pack of one, which would you buy a four pack of? Uh, the double for sure. Why? uh it drinks better it's like just easier to literally swallow swallow the mouth feels better um the booziness is there enough that it's slightly sweet but then because it's a double ipa it's dry enough that it cuts the sweetness and the sweetness then comes back around and lingers long enough to kill and have the hops drop off so it's like a to like a double helix they like so do you think maybe well. you just like gravitate towards well really well brewed beers uh, really uh, high viscosity, uh, higher ABV, like double IPAs, yeah. Hmm. Which is what this is. Yeah. So again, so are, you, are you going we last for episode. it? Though, are you going for it then because you actually like the way it tastes or because it's more stylistically what you're comfortable with? It it It's like the way someone would gravitate towards if you put a bunch of like food out in front of them, one towards the other. You know, it's a texture thing. It's the taste. It's like how it finishes with me. It doesn't, again, all these beers are extremely, you know, dry in their nature. And this one's the most refreshing out of all the three. I can drink it and I'm not thirsty for water. I can drink more of the beer itself. Um, That's a huge point for me with drinking beer. I hate drinking beer and having to feel like I have to immediately drink water. Like I just did a shot and I'm trying to chase it. Like, again, that's how both this quad can go and how the the session can go as well this crusher man i'd go for as many four packs this is like get my hands on the hand beer yeah it's good it's good because it's hoppy enough for me but it's very easy to drink yeah the, the that's qu- what i look for the quad is like the the believe it or not the older man's beer who's like been drinking beer for a while and just wants a little wah like a little because it's fresh. close because it's close to liquor Yes. You're supposed to drink it the same way you drink liquor, yeah. very slowly. Yeah, yeah, and it's supposed to give you the same sensations. Like I said, like the kind of burning going yep. down your esophagus, yeah. the, but that the can be liquor really great. smell, alcohol I, smell. I love when, when quads start being uh, put in like bourbon barrels and all that stuff so they pick up all like those flavors. Like there are ways to do a quad to me that, uh, again, one of, the, one of the first beers I started drinking was a quad or it was a triple, Allagash triple. You're saying quad, like Belgian quadruple. This is a quadruple IPA. No, I understand. As far as I know, I no one else has labeled. Quad. I don't want to say it. Like but they're that. different things. You can't just say quad. No, I just say Belgian quad, quad is say, dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. It's that you're using the same yeah, word yeah, 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 for yeah. two different. It's just way easier to say, and I'm being lazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> just say imperial IPA. Anything okay. above a certain percentage is technically considered an imperial IPA. Yeah, but this would be an. I I I Imperial IPA. No, it's again this, any, it's <laughs> the triple, stylistically triple, BJCP triple is IPA. anything above a certain amount is a is an Imperial IPA. The triple I <laughs> with an I. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you're over this. Yeah. 
I don't even know. Are we keeping time on this section? <laughs> I don't know. Thanks, Tired Hands. This is great. Your beers are really fun to drink. I really think these beers are a lot of fun to drink because they're things that I'm not used to drinking. Yeah. So I, I enjoy that. As, a, as somebody in the industry who's been drinking beer for 15 years, thank you for brewing pretty awesome beers. And experimenting. Again, I... Same same ideology as fish. I keeping it keeping it experimental. <laughs> well, this is actually the opposite though, because they're extremely small. Um, but they experiment with their beers. How yeah. does experimental have anything to do with their capacity and size? This fish is huge. They're like international now at this point. It'd be like being. They're the same white in that they're both experimental. All right, you're doing a really great job of like talking about fish during beer today. who cares they're supposed to be intermingled and curveballs <laughs> next weekend so everyone's feeling the All excitement right. well you we clearly know where your mind is at everyone's <laughs> feeling it man <laughs> okay <laughs> well i'm gonna go enjoy drinking the rest of these crazy beers and i'm probably gonna get too drunk to be able to talk so i think that's as much time as we have for for this podcast episode did you learn anything from this uh i did i i learned the importance of balancing uh, beer as it gets uh, more alcoholic. Higher in alcohol. Not only that, when you put them back to back like this, yeah. uh, how to do so from a brewing perspective. Very cool. Uh, so awesome. I will say coming this fall is going to be a couple, uh, maybe a couple quads, both Belgian and Imperial IPA quads. <laughs> both quads in their do right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad you learned something. Thank you again to Tired Hands. Uh, shout out to them. Yeah. Their fermenteria is really awesome, and you should check it out if you're in Ardmore, which is like 25, 30 minutes it's outside of downtown Philly. That's, we are all about semantics today, too. It's a fermenteria. They went Italian on it. That's what it's called. <laughs> fermenteria. They ferment things there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we also actually got a cider, too. So that's what I'm saying. I think they call it fermenteria because they have their own line of coffee. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, It's, a, it's a really fluters. cool, like, yeah, fluters. encompassing experience. <laughs> Super fun. The chips and the salsa was insane. So shout out to the chef, too. That was cool. <laughs> okay. And to everyone there, uh, thanks for sharing these beers. We'll post what we drank today. I don't um, think you can get any of these anywhere but their general store in yeah. PA. But if you're ever in town... Well, also, what what I'll do is I'll take a picture of the labels and I'll throw them up on our Instagram and I'll fantastic. link to Instagram and yeah, this fantastic. podcast details. Yeah. So fantastic. you click on the link, it'll show you the, the... Yeah. Awesome. Next time you're in Ardmore, check out Tired Hands. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this we episode. We bow to no sponsor. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time. I'm Lizza. And that's the kid. See you, curveball. <laughs>